you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Coming up next on Huddle and Flow. There's a, a ton of issues out there that we have to continue to get better on and move forward with. Um, but I'm going to use my voice uh, and, and where, when I think it's the right time and place to go out there and, and make the world a better place. Yeah, yeah, we are back with the Hot on Flow podcast. I am Steve White with my guy, Jim Trotter. Uh, it is a special edition, another one that, uh, Jim, we were, we were, you know, we've been working on this one for a while. Um, but we are, you know, we were very pleased that the Kansas City Chiefs got us Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is, this is going to be a special interview that our listeners, um, are really going to love because of who he is, but also, Jim, what he says. No question, Steve. And he is um, just, it's funny. I texted with a couple of people in the Chiefs organization afterwards to let them know that Patrick was going to be a guest on the show. And the response you get from everybody you talk to is, what a special guy, you know, what a special player, what a special man. We're lucky to have him. And when you listen to him during this interview, all of that just comes through in droves. So um, it's funny, you know, you and I are a little bit older, but to look at, at someone as young as Patrick, who seems to have it all together, you know, in so many ways, it's just so impressive. And it, and, and particularly in today's political climate and everything else, it makes you think that we're going to be okay. Yeah, and, you know, just for our listeners to know, we recorded this interview with Patrick Mahomes on Election Day. Um, and he talks about, some of the steps he took to help out with the election process, why it was so important to him to get involved. And Jim, you know, you just talked about it. We're a lot older than him. And, you know, I think that he is carrying yet still doing the things he does and behaving the way he does. I mean, it really says a lot to how he was raised and just kind of the, the type of character that he has. Yeah, I think that's the key word you use there is character. Um, because, look, you and I both know high profile athletes 
who would rather not even put themselves in a position to have to, to answer any of these questions or deal with any of these issues, who just want to live their life, get their money, take care of their families, and not be in the spotlight in this, in this way. Well, Patrick Mahomes not only said, I'm willing to do that, he said, I'm going to do that, in essence, by his actions. And that's, that's so critically important because, as we say, he is not just the face of the franchise. He is the face of the NFL today. And that is significant. So, so much respect for him. Um, you know, I already had respect for him. But just to hear him talk about how he goes about his business, and even in there mentioning the fact that, you know, he's about to become a father and what role that played. I think I think our listeners are really going to enjoy um, hearing from him. Yeah, and as I mentioned, Jim, we recorded the Mahomes interview on Election Day. Um, we are recording this on Wednesday, the day after the general election. The electoral process is is just bananas. Look, I, I think you know we're both black men. We've both seen a lot and done a lot, regardless of the outcome. Jim, to me, the biggest discovery about this election is America told us exactly who it is. It is so divisive and it is so split. And if we add any questions about this country, it has been told throughout this process, right, wrong, or indifferent. I've got my feelings. Um, But the way America is writing this chapter in history about itself um, is the most identifiable to me since we had people who enslaved people and we had people who were enslaved. We often looked at, look at um, the United States for what it could be instead of what it really is. And we want to run from its history and not acknowledge its history. And I think what election day did for me again, is it reinforced about what this country is. And if you can spend four years of watching Donald Trump, be a racist, a misogynist, xenophobic, all these other things. Um, We talk a lot about character. A man who was told over by the Washington Post count over 20,000 lies or mistruths, however you want to frame it, um, who has bowed down to dictators uh, around this country, or I'm sorry, around this globe, and seem to have put their interest ahead of ours, and people will still go out and vote for them. And the thing that, that I think frustrates me most about this whole process, again, and you and I have talked about it, is the polling. I think we need to do away with polls. Because for me, what polls are, it's like being a Hall of Fame voter. And we go into that room, and prior to going into that room, or even in that room, you'll go around the room and everybody talks about how much they love a player, and this guy needs to get in, and, this, and, and we have to vote him in. And when the final tally comes out, that player does not make the Hall of Fame. And so it's as if people will say one thing to your face or in public, but the minute they get that ballot and it's a silent vote, um, they do something different. And I think that's what we're seeing here. I can't wait to see the final numbers on on how groups voted. Um, But that's what it says to me, you know, um, that, you know me, Steve, I hate when folks are two-faced. And I hate when folks speak behind your back. If you have an issue, just say it to me. Let's have a conversation about it. But this country has not reached the point where we can actually have that discussion. People are still saying one thing publicly and doing something else in private. 
And I don't know how you get past that. I don't have the answer. And it makes me, you know, it makes me angry. Um, it makes me lose some hope. But one thing I do know um, is that going forward, the Democratic Party is going to have to start to acknowledge some of these young folk who have a different mindset and a different energy. And I think the party is going to have to speak to these people more than trying to be centrist and taking the high ground and all of that other BS that gets talked about. When you have an opponent that plays dirty, in my opinion, um, sometimes you got to take the gloves off. And I think the Democratic Party that time has come. Well, look, it's fine. Let's draw, just draw the NFL parallel. I mean, first off, you talk about the polling part of it. This is like how the owners did Dean Spanos on the relocation issue to Los Angeles. Remember going in, the relocation committee was recommending the Chargers and Raiders come to Los Angeles. And everyone was like, oh, man, so the, the Rams are going to get stuck. And then they got those secret ballots. And it was almost a unanimous vote for the Rams to move to L.A. And, and so, again, that's where the polling and the, and the in-your-face honesty comes into question. And then, you, you know, you talk about taking the gloves off. We're, this is what's interesting about this whole dynamic when we talk about players like Patrick Mahomes and so many people in the NFL pushing people to vote and kind of standing up for a lot of causes which people can, can deem left-leaning. So the NFL says, okay, we may anger some sponsors. We may anger some season ticket holders, but we're going to try to talk to some of these young people about supporting their causes and listening to their voices. Yet, here we are. I mean, we're still in a stalemate. I'm, I'm very interested to see how some of these players are going to react when the final tallies come out. Um, we know we knew this is you know this could possibly happen, but now just to see kind of how in your face it is um, and how much of a push people gave and the energy they put behind it to get people to the polls. And the great thing is people did come out to vote, whether they came out to vote or they, they mailed it in. That's a fantastic thing. But Jim, you, you've heard me kind of use this expression before, but it, it is no apparent, it is apparent now more than ever that what we see from the leadership in this country is a mirror more so than a window. And the leadership oh, okay. is clearly reflecting a sizable amount of the population. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not amazing to me, but it's just reflective of just how deeply I think racism in this country cuts. Yep. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say it mystifies me, um, but it it again it it somewhat angers me. You know, for all those who have said just how far we've come, have we made progress? Yes. <laughs> but on the on the on the on the scale of history, we have so far to go. So yep. far to go. And I'll tell you this again, talking about. Um, the leadership, the thing that disports me most about election day is not even the presidential election for me. It's more of the Senate vote and that people would empower those who have stood behind this president and his policies and his actions. And now we're at a point where because the Democrats did not flip the Senate, I don't know that we're going to be able to get through any legislation to deal with the type of change that, that these players and that many out there in the country have been fighting for, marching for, protesting for. Um, I think the Senate Majority Leader, again, will keep those bills from ever getting to the floor. And therefore, we're gonna have four more, potentially, even if Joe Biden is in office, we're going to have four more years of 
inertia, if you will, and where we don't make real change. And that's what's so disappointing to me. Um, again, we've talked, you and I have talked about this and others. To make real change, you have to make change on the legislative level. Um, we, we can go out and demonstrate and do all of that and everything else. But when you're talking about trying to make change, it usually flows through laws that are passed. And now we're in a position again where we're not going to be able to get some of these things, whether it deals with mass incarceration, whether it deals with systemic racism, whether it deals with um, educational opportunities. Healthcare. Healthcare. We are now not going to be able, I believe, to get these things through because we don't have a majority in the Senate. And, and, and that's troubling. Well, we'll see what the, if the midterms uh, provide any any hope. But I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are discouraged. I think there's a lot of people who are, are encouraged. And folks, you know, we know this is a football podcast, but Jim and I, we keep it real. And this is real to all of us. And if you think we're going to shy away from this stuff, then you can go take it someplace else. Because that's not what we do. You heard Jim say, we're not two-faced, we're in your face. And we'll take that 15-yard targeting penalty if we have to take it. Um, this is what we do here at the Huddle and Flow. Um, hopefully, those of you who disagree with us, you come at us with intelligent disagreement. Because Jim, Jim and I are here for it. We're smart guys. We've dealt with it. We're black men in this country. We deal with this stuff every day. And if we can have intelligent conversations, we are up for it. But if you come at us with some smoke, we're coming back at you with some smoke. But it, I, I think the thing that gets me most, Steve, you know, because now, you, now you're going to get me going here a little bit. But the thing that gets me most is people who will vote against their self-interest simply because of racism. You know, there are folks out it, there voting Jim, there's, 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 no, there's no other way to explain it other than racism. There, there's no other way to explain it. No, you're willing to hurt yourself simply because you fear that someone else of a different skin tone is going to get something, uh, you feel they're going to take something from you when it's not a zero-sum game. And, and that's, what, that's what got me in 2016, and that's what gets me today, is people who will vote against their self-interest simply because of primarily race. Crazy. Oh, and we're, but Jim, we're, we're not seeing this. It's, it's, it's not all white people, man. No, it's not white people. There, there are ethnic, there are ethnic groups. There are black people, um, who just don't see some of the stuff that's smacking them in the face. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. You know, when they get pulled over, some aggressive happens. Oh wow, I didn't think that was going to happen to me because I voted a certain way. Okay, we'll see. Look, you know, like I said, Jim and I are not. You know, we're not running away from everything. We got. As, as Ludacris said, we got some sauce in the blood. And so um, this is what we're about. We're going to flip this to football right now because this is about, you know, one of the great players. You know, the, we got we got a real exclusive interview with Patrick Mahomes. And we want to get to him because Patrick talks about some of this stuff. And when we come out of this, um, let's hope we're all better. And but Jim, let's let's flip this to Patrick Mahomes because we want to you know we want we want to share this and have a conversation about some of the great things that he says. So here we go with Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. All right, Jim. Now we're joined by Patrick Mahomes. We all know who he is. He's the face of the NFL. Patrick, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me. 
Sure. So, Patrick, we're recording this on um, Election Day. And uh, and speaking to one of you guys from your foundation, you know, he pointed out that one of the things that you did was you and the Chiefs kind of footed the bill to open up Arrowhead as a polling place. Why was that important for you to do that? Yeah, I thought it was very important, uh, not only to just to get as many people uh, out to vote as possible, but also to use a place uh, as Arrowhead where we show a lot of uh, have a lot of fun, show a lot of love and unity uh, where people coming together and use that a place where we can come together and vote and use our voice. And uh, I thought Arrowhead was a perfect place for it. And the Chiefs were were all aboard with it. And uh, some other guys on the team, we all just made effort, made our efforts strong and really got it to be a, a central point for everybody to go vote. Patrick, is this your first time voting in a presidential election? It, it actually is. And uh, I, I actually registered to vote uh, when I was in college, but I didn't even go out and vote. And so for me, uh, it was important to go out and finish it off and finish off the steps of going out and voting and doing everything like that. And, and so I'm glad that I was able to do that and use my voice uh, and, and get, lead others to do the same. And, and what's that like? Because I remember, you know, my first time, I thought it was like, you know, such a, a momentous thing. Okay, I, you know, my presidential, I voted for a loser and and a lot of other issues. But what's that like, you know, on the national level and, and you know, some of the local, maybe the measures or local politicians as well? Yeah, I think you start to pay attention more and more of what's going on around you. And as you get older and as you mature and, and as the discussion and the talk has really became uh, such a big ordeal, you really understand more and more of how it affects you every single day. And so uh, I'm just glad that I have the opportunity that I can vote and can use my voice and in whatever way possible. Being an impending father, does it take on even more meaning for you? It does 100%. And I think as I kind of like I said, as I've gotten older, I understand how, how much more powerful it is and how much uh, power you have behind going out and vote and using the freedom that you do have and that people before you have fought for. And so uh, it's uh, it's definitely when you're starting to have a, have a kid, you start understanding more and more of how you can make a bigger and bigger impact in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Jim and I, Jim and I both have grown kids and everything you just said is, is absolutely on point. And Patrick, we've seen you and so many other players uh, push the voting initiative and, and step forward uh, with a lot of the social justice uh, initiatives and, and some of your personal feelings. First off, why was that important? Because even four years ago in this last election cycle and some of the things with social injustices, a lot of players just kind of sat on the sideline, so to speak. Yeah, I think uh, as for me, uh, speaking for myself, I think I just got a little, you got tired of seeing this happen over and over again and no, nothing really changing. And as I've as I've gotten more and more of a platform, I understood that it just wasn't right. And that I want to do whatever I could to to make to make the world a better place. And for me, that that first step was to speaking out and using my voice. And now is to get as many people out to vote as possible. And so uh, as we continue to go go bigger and, and go more and more, we're going to continue to do whatever we can to to help out this world and make it a better place. Patrick, can you speak to the challenges of now? You're not only the face of a franchise but you are the face of the NFL in many ways. And I think sometimes people forget you're still a young man who's learning and growing into what it means to be a young man and, and not just a, a player. What are those challenges like for you and, and how do you deal with them? I think it's, I think it's, it's challenging, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's also, it's also an opportunity that I have. And I think I have to listen to the, the leaders that I have around me, uh, listen to everybody's perspective and, and wherever they're coming from and then make the best informed perspective and, and theories that I can think of. And so, uh, I, like you said, I'm still learning every single day 
and I try to do whatever I can to get around people that have had the experiences and, and listen to them and try to form my own opinion. Okay, Patrick, so you can, see, look, you can look behind Jim and see the Howard University banner, but both of us graduated from Howard. You know, we're both proud products of HBCUs. And this summer, um, you were a primary sponsor for the Black College Football Hall of Fame's Road to Equity special. You see this helmet behind me from the Black College Football Hall of Fame. You didn't attend an HBCU, but why was it important for you to, to chime in and make that type of donation? Yeah, I think it, it was important to me because they've paved the way for me to be where I'm at right now. Uh, the guys that have came in front of me and that have, have battled, uh, like you say, being a quarterback and they're saying you can't play quarterback, get the move to other position uh, just because of the color of their skin and just being athletic. You're not the typical proto, prototype quarterback. So guys like that, like Warren Moon and, and, and all these guys that have really came out and played the quarterback position, they paved the way for me to be able to play the game that I love, the way that I love, and uh, and really go out there and have success doing it. You know, Patrick, when you speak up, um, I think there are some now who, who will always want you to speak up. Do you find that overwhelming at times? To Because I assume that you want to pick your spots where you want to have your voice heard. And yet, whenever there is an issue, I think people are going to look to you to have some sort of, of comment or opinion on it. Is that daunting? Is it is it overwhelming? I, I don't think it's overwhelming. I, I, I'm truly uh, when I speak up, it's going to be about stuff that I that I care about. And I, it's not that I don't care about other things and care about things more than others. But I'm going to use my voice in whatever way I feel like to help out uh, me, my family and the rest of this world in the best way possible. And so obviously uh, there, there's a, a ton of issues out there that we have to continue to get better on and move forward with. Um, but I'm going to use my voice uh, and, and where, when I think it's the right time and place to go out there and, and make the world a better place. All right, Patrick, we're going to switch to a little f football action real quick, Jim, because I know we're, we're on limited time. What's been the biggest task so far um, that you as, as defending Super Bowl champs that you guys have had to deal with? I think it's just it's not being satisfied. And I know people talk about it, but whenever you're playing in these in the regular season games and, and you're going from primetime games to 12 o'clock games to 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 games against division rivals, you have to make sure that you have your best shot and you have your best ammo every single time you run out there. And so uh, we we are we're dealing with that week by week, trying to make sure we prepare ourselves the right way because we know we're going to get everybody's best shot. And so uh, we're going to play our best football week in and week out if we want to keep continue to win football games. You know, Patrick, we in the media are so quick to label a player a bust if things don't go right right away. And too often we don't look at what circumstances was that player put into as to whether or not he was successful or not. When I look at you and Andy Reid, it's like the perfect marriage. And I wonder what is it about his coaching style and what is it about your learning style that makes this marriage work, that makes it so successful? I think uh, the first thing is he lets me be who I am, and I think that's what everybody he coaches. He lets you be who you are and show your personality, and he really maximizes your strengths and really kind of hides your weaknesses and then tries to improve those. And then the second thing that I think really helps out with me is he challenges me every single day, uh, even if it's we're in meetings and he ask, he'll ask me a, a read in front of the whole entire team and why I'm throwing it here or why I'm doing this at this point. Uh, he wants to make sure that I'm always up to date and I'm always ready to go and have, have all the answers. And uh, then he continues to challenge me and give me more and more uh, as far as different reads, different opportunities, different checks. And I think that that's really continued to help me grow as a quarterback and, and grow as a leader on this football team. And, and how is your evolution in terms of game planning, 
play calling, all of those things, as you now grow in this league, how has that changed? Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of like I was saying, he's really gave me a, a ton more as far as I can, me being able to check plays, uh, me being able to audible in and out of calls. And then at the same time, he'll let me go into the game plan and, and come up with some different plays that I like to add in there. And so uh, uh, that's stuff that I wasn't able to do earlier in, earlier in my career, even though it's still early, uh, that he'll continue to continue to let me evolve with and get better and better at. Patrick, even though your OC, Eric Bieniemy has interviewed for some head coaching jobs, he's going to be on the short list for head coaching jobs again this next offseason. What can you tell us about him in terms of traits-wise or how he relates to you or other players as to why he would be a good head coach? Yeah, I think the the first thing you always hear about him is how he holds everybody accountable, and that's that's true. I mean, from the top down, from the first player on the roster to the last player on the roster, he's going to make sure that you're – that you're handling your business and you're doing whatever it takes to to betterment of the team and to make the team better. And then I think the work ethic is something that's truly important that that people don't talk about as much. I mean, he's a guy that's in the facility. It seems like all the time is men must sleep here. I mean, I've never am in the facility and don't see that guy in here. And so uh, uh, he relates to everybody. He's he's very involved in the offensive game planning and and making up plays week in and week out. And I think he's someone that he'll be able to go in and set a culture no matter where it is, and I'll be able to hold people accountable and, and really hold them to the standard of being a champion. You know, Patrick, I know we have a short amount of time with you left, so we like to have a little fun at the end of the show, and it's sort of a rapid-fire type deal. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk to you about quarterback traits, and you have to take yourself out of the equation, and we're simply going to ask you things like, number one, you got to choose one quarterback in the league for these specific areas. Number one, arm talent. Who are you going with? Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because he's a guy that he has the fastball, but he ha also has every other pitch, man. I mean, he can he can throw it as far as you want. And he can throw it as accurate as you want. And uh, you have to have everything if you want to be on that arm talent uh, top list. Mobility. Uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, he, I mean that dude, you can't tackle him, man. And I saw him hit the sideline against us, and he barely stepped out of bounds, but he was about to be out of there. Ability to read the blitz. Tom Brady. I mean, I mean that's that's easy one, man. He's, it's like he's seen it all, and he knows it's coming before it even comes. All right, this is one we talk about a lot. Two minutes left in the game, down by a score. Whose hands are you putting the football in? Russell Wilson. I mean, he's done it. He's done it week in and week out. I mean, uh, for his entire career. Uh, he's someone that's he's gonna be level-headed. He's always gonna be optimistic. I think you can see it from those mic'd up things. Um, so he's someone that if it wasn't myself, I, I would give it to Russell. I got you. <laughs> DB cornerback. Who's that one cornerback you're looking to avoid anytime you're on the field? I wouldn't say looking to avoid, but Stefan Gilmore is a man that, I mean, he's going to get up and play physical. He, he, he's good in zone and man coverage. And, uh, he, he's a special, special player out there. And lastly on this one, pass rusher. Who's that one guy you're always accounting for when you're on the field? I mean, Aaron Donald, man. I mean, that, that dude's a beast. And uh, I don't know how many times I've been strip-sacked in my career. It wasn't a lot, and he did it to me twice in one game. And so after that, I was trying to send as many people his way. But another one i got to ask you about, because it's been such a conversation, that was your mother correcting the broadcast crew about Pat and Patrick. Does she call you Patrick and everyone else calls you Pat, or you demand everyone calls you Patrick? 
I think it's more that she calls me Patrick and everyone else call. I mean, kind of goes back and forth from Pat and Patrick. I, I, it really doesn't matter to me. I, it doesn't really affect me. But she, she's always said that my dad's Pat and I'm Patrick, and she's very, very holds everybody to that. Okay. Well, you know, I, I'm Stephen, you know, to my wife and my mother, and everyone else calls me Steve. Okay, now here's the staple segment, okay? So so go with us because we had a guest one time. So we break, we're breaking down – how you eat a chicken wing, you know, when they're, when it's complete, right? You've got the drumstick, the flat and the little pointy thing. Okay. First yeah. off, how do you go about doing that? Which part do you get to first? I, I, well, I mean, I started, you have to grab the pointy thing and then you, you bring it up and I just go right in the middle. Like I just go right in the middle, but I, I make sure to, to clean it all the way up. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty much getting every piece of, of meat that's off that thing. Okay. Do you go to the drumstick so part first or the flat part first? I would say the flat part first, and then I go up. I, I'm not not 100% sure I can, as I think about it, but I feel like that's the way I go. I'll bet you'll say, you know, as long as you can put ketchup on it, it's all good, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ketchup. I don't put the ketchup on the chicken wings, but, I mean, I put it on a lot of different stuff. Oh, interesting. Man, why, not, why not on a chicken wing? Because there's just too many different sauces that you can have. I mean, you can go barbecue, you can go... Uh, just regular buffalo sauce. You can go with the garlic parmesan. I mean, there's that's a lot of different stuff going on. So I I, I don't really usually add the ketchup to that. You are a good man, and Patrick, you may not ever speak to me again after this because if there's two things in this world I do not eat, the first is mayonnaise, and the other is ketchup. <laughs> oh man, why not? I mean, come on, man. I cannot get down, man. It is just, since I've been a little kid, I cannot get down. I. You know, everything else is great. But hey, Patrick, we really, really appreciate you taking the time. Jim and I really appreciate the things that you're doing, too, Absolutely. as a man in society, as a man for the people. It is important. And, you know, Doug Williams, you know, someone you talked about as a quarterback who, who played the position and kind of put the path before you, he spoke so highly of you saying that when you put your voice behind that player video, talking about listen to your players, it meant everything. And for someone who is a legend in so many circles, for him to say that about you, you know, I really think that speaks volumes. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate y'all. And I mean, that's that's always, it's amazing to hear and coming from him, it makes it even more special. All right, Patrick. All right, Good Patrick, luck all the best, man. Thank y'all. This is Kimberly Martin from ESPN, and you're listening to the Huddle and Flow podcast with Steve Weiss and Jim Trotter. Well, Steve, we, we promised our listeners that they would enjoy hearing from Patrick Mahomes. And if they didn't, um, I don't think there's anything that'll satisfy him because I thought he was phenomenal. And the thing I love most about Patrick Mahomes, uh, the person, is that he doesn't run from a question. He will answer you. You and I have dealt with athletes where you ask them, take themselves out of the equation and give us uh, you know, their response to who's the best this or who's the best that. And they'll waffle on it. Or they won't answer for or fear. They, or, they have their te- or they have their teammates. You know, yeah, you know, they're the fear of, of angering someone or whatever. He was very direct in his answers, you know, in terms of addressing these things. And not only that, but giving the why for why he chose certain guys, which I found to be interesting. So um, for me, that was phenomenal to, to hear how his mind thinks and what he looks for in certain players. He did slip in there one moment, though. For instance, when we talked about the two minutes and one score, well, if it's not me, if it's not me, then it's Russell Wilson. But he made a point, you know, of letting us know he believes it's him. Well, I mean, look, we're not going to doubt that. 
No. We're not gonna, we're not, you know, what, what else is great? Because I want to circle back and have some conversations about some of the, the people he talked about. Was what he said about Eric Bieniemy. Um, yeah. How, you know, he's not just necessarily a schemer or a designer, but a communicator. And, you know, he will hold people accountable. You know, and you and I know Eric have, have grown because before Eric would just cuss people out. Sure. And, you know, and challenge him. He talked to people who he coached, you know, like Maurice Jones Drew and guys like that. And they're like, you know, Eric wouldn't want to fight you but it would be in a way that would make you better, you know, and he's really, you know, matured and become just a fantastic leader. But what he said is he will go into a building and he will create a culture. That's the key. That is the key because that's That's always what we hear. Like we need, we need a culture change. If you're losing, you need a culture change. So if Eric can come in and do that, you know, that, that would be, you know, hopefully he gets the opportunity. Yeah. Because what do we talk about all the time on this podcast and elsewhere, Steve, a head coach often is not a play designer or a play caller, you know, he's not a glorified coordinator. A head coach is so much more. He is a leader. He has to lead a franchise. He has to create a culture, you know, all those sorts of things. And if you don't have that, it doesn't matter. And that's why I've always said, in my opinion, it's such a foolish way to hire head coaches when you say who are the hot coordinators, because that doesn't speak to whether or not a person can motivate men can lead men, can command accountability, can command discipline, all those sorts of things is a great teacher. Um, That's not always the guy who is your best play caller. And so for Patrick to talk about Eric being able to create a culture of success, to me, that's what, what really when my ears perked up more than any of the other things, because I think that's so central to, to having a successful program. Yeah. And look, and look at the, the, the coaches that have sustained it, Pete Carroll. Bill Belichick, um, you know, these are guys, Mike, are Tomlin. Not play callers. Mike Tomlin, they're not play callers. You know, it just so happens those three are also defensive guys. Um, but that's sustained. We've seen the play callers, the Kyle Shanahan's, who's just dynamic. Sean McVay, those are both two special leaders, but a lot of play callers go, get hot and cold, you know. And so Matt Nagy, guys like that, you know, hot and cold. Adam Gase, well, he's never Hot, so we'll just leave that there. Anyway, Jim, let's get to uh, some of the guys Patrick talked about, and, and, and I love the fact when you asked him, pass rusher, he feared most, and he said Aaron Donald. It, it just he's so great in interior. I mean, you think about all the great interior players that have played the history of this game, and they have never been referred to as the most feared pass rusher, so to speak. And for him to say that and talk about how. He doesn't. He doesn't fumble the ball, and how AD strips after him twice in one game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's greatness respecting greatness. No, without question. And Aaron Donald is that dude, and and that's why when, for instance, the NFL 100 was done, and and so many active players were not included on that list, and I'm saying, Aaron Donald can line up in any era, and be that dude, you know. So. He is just a phenomenal talent, and um, you're right. And I, and I thought about it afterwards. I was so happy that I didn't say edge rusher and that I said pass rusher because so often we think edge rusher when we talk about guys who sack the quarterback or pressure the quarterback. And the reality is the game is changing, and teams are looking for more pressure up the middle to get a quarterback off of his spot. So, um, yeah, if, I, if I'm him, Aaron Donald, that'd be the guy I would mention as well. I found it kind of interesting, even though it seems obvious. When you asked him about the mobile quarterback, it said Lamar Jackson. Again, yeah. it seems obvious. But the guy he's super connected with, and that's Kyler Murray. 
I mean, I'm, I, I was wondering if he was going to go in that direction because Kyler is just so dynamic and so fantastic. No one's ever going to say it's not Lamar Jackson, but right. I thought Kyler was going to be a wild card right there. I was interested, too, as well, that he talked about Gilmore being the top cornerback. How about that? Um, yeah, in terms of facing. And, yeah, we know he was defensive player of the year last year, that sort of thing. But um, but of all the guys he could have chosen, that was an interesting one as well. And and it seemed like he leaned more towards guys that, again, from a defensive standpoint, that he has faced personally. So rather than just relying on, you know, going through the entire league and what he has seen on film from someone else. But, um, yeah, even his answer about Aaron Rodgers was tremendous. You know, when you talk about arm talent and his explanation of why and all the different throws that Aaron can make. It was because guess who's always challenging Patrick to who can throw the ball the furthest? Josh Allen, right? And he was like, "Yeah, no, you have no Super Bowls. You don't. You do not have the the resume that Aaron Rodgers has." But to get back to Gilmore, I, I think it's fantastic because look at who the DBs have to cover who Patrick Mahomes is throwing to. Mm-hmm. To me, that speaks volumes about how good Stephon Gilmore is. No question, no question. Um, look, you know, we talked about this in the pod with him that that. Patrick Mahomes could not have gone or been placed into a better situation than he was when he was drafted by Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Because, and and I wish we'd have more time to really delve into that with him about that beautiful mind of Andy Reid's and the beautiful mind and the playmaking ability of Patrick Mahomes and why it works so well together. Um, And then to surround him with the talent specific talent. It's almost like it reminds me of Bill Belichick and the Patriots where he looks for players who can fill specific roles. And on offense, that's essentially what they have to some degree, guys who can fill specific roles. And Andy Reid does such a tremendous job of putting them in positions to succeed. And remember, that's why Lev Bell said he signed with Kansas City. It was because of Andy Reid and his ability to capitalize on a player's skill set and, and and to put him in positions to be successful. So Patrick Mahomes is just, you know, you talk about a quality guy. Um, he has just been put in a situation where everything has fallen into place for him and you couldn't be more happy for him. Jim, as, as we close out this, just again, it was a fantastic interview for Patrick. We can't thank uh, Patrick and Ted Cruz and the Chiefs. Uh, and Brad G from the Chiefs for, for helping him get on with us. I, I do want to hit a subject that seems to be creeping up again, and that's that's the COVID cases in the NFL. And we're not necessarily seeing the threat of moving games or, you know, having to, to change times like we saw a couple weeks ago. But now we're seeing teams potentially, you know, disrupted on a competitive advantage because of some upticks. We're seeing in Green Bay, their, their, their offensive backfield decimated. They're going to a Thursday night game. The two guys who, who barely played. The Ravens now, seven guys in intensive COVID protocol. Um, and then you've got Matt Judon and Marlon Humphrey, you know, two two key players. Andy Dalton down in Dallas. You know, just the fact that we're seeing, you know, as a reflection in, in the real world, some uptick and spikes in places. We're seeing it individually or in some cases like we're seeing in the NFL. Jim, what about the way this is being handled and how – how this, you know, we keep on talking about this team's looking good, that team's looking good for a playoff berth, but this I, I, COVID's going to have something to say um, about if teams can really, you know, that look good now, whatever, make a push to the final stretch. Yes, yeah, Steve, it very well could. But I think being completely honest here, um, 
the NFL has the fact that the NFL has gotten this far with very little disruption is a major accomplishment because as you know going into the season none of us knew and I was one of those people that said with this many players um, on each team I just can't see how it's not going to impact them and how it's not going to um, force cancellation of games if not cancellation of the season and for the league to get this far based on the steps that it and the Players Association has taken and the players in terms of their discipline and everything else um, is a credit to them. But as you know, Dr. Fauci and other scientists have talked about, we're now entering that time of year where the weather changes, where it's colder, um, where you, know, you have the flu virus and other things, and the likelihood that we will see spikes in numbers is very real. And the NFL, what do we always say about the NFL and sport in general? It's a microcosm of society. And so, so I, you know, I don't think any of us sh should be shocked by this. Um, the hope is just they're able to contain. And I think that's been the NFL's position all along, is that it knew players were going to, t and, and coaches and staff were going to test positive, but can they contain it? And to this point, they've done a very good job of that. Done an absolutely good job of it. And the, and the transparency of which the clubs um, and the league and the PA have done it, I, I think, um, has actually been a, a great, incredible leadership, you know, in, in a time that's so uncertain and transparency and leadership, Jim, <laughs> we started the show off with some heat and we're, we're going to close it off with some heat. Again, there's uncertainty um, with the election, where this country is headed, but there is no uncertainty about this podcast. We are going to bring it to you unfiltered. If you don't like it again, don't, 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 don't smoke us out talk to us because we're, we're here we're here you know to listen and we'd love to get feedback because you want to we want to heal we want to you know we want to bring things together and too much of divisiveness in this country but you know it is jim this is why i loved in the show with you my brother and we we've got this we've got this voice and we're not going to mute it no you know steve the one thing i said to myself um it started, I think, in 2016 when Colin Kaepernick first took a knee and what he was what he was demonstrating against and whatnot is that, you know, as I say, you and I are a little bit older. And the one promise I made to myself at that point was, you know, I don't know how much longer I have in this business. Um, matter of fact, I don't even know how much longer I have on this earth. None of us do. But whatever platform I had, I was going to try and use for positive change and to speak up on issues, hopefully to make positive change. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to do here with you um, and our producer, Thomas Warren. And it's, it's what I'm trying to do in terms of my work is to shine a light on the positive things that these players are doing and the impact that they're having in their community and whatnot. That's why I'm so um, thankful that I can do this podcast with you and that we can have these honest conversations and we can shine a light on on these issues that are important to us and to the, to our communities um, because it is important. And I think so many in our business, the young people, you're trying to find your way. I think back to myself when I first got in it and you're afraid of speaking out and, you know, you wonder how it's going to affect you professionally, how it's going to affect you economically, all these sorts of things. But again, when you get to a certain age, um, Hopefully they say with age comes wisdom and, and all I'm trying to do is 
is to say that before I'm out of this game, that I did try and make a mark on it for the positive, you know, and I know you're trying to do the same. So I appreciate you and I appreciate Thomas Warren and I appreciate the NFL for allowing us to, to have this platform to do it. So um, as long as we have it, we're going to speak our truths. Coming up on our podcast, following this, we're going to have Falcons owner, Arthur Blank on. He will be the first NFL owner that we have on this podcast. Jim, we have, we have held owners accountable. We're going to continue to hold owners accountable. We have Arthur on. We are going to hold him accountable. Yeah, I think that's one our listeners don't want to miss. No. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> this, this, this is going to be good for Jim Trotter, for our producer, Thomas Warren. To all of you, this is about keeping it real. This has been kept real. Jim, take us home. Yeah, so we appreciate you all listening. And and, um, please subscribe to the podcast so um, we can keep bringing you the things that that you want to hear. And the one thing we ask is that you subscribe, you leave a review, you leave comments. And you tell us what it is you want to hear. And that way, we can bring you more of what you're funking for. What you're funking for. It's the Huddle Flow Podcast from the Howard University mob. We are out. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 